Hey, Star Wars fans and Roll the Galaxy fans. No, you're not mistaken. This is the voice of D-Doc that you're hearing. And yes, I'm hosting my first episode of Rule the Galaxy podcast. I've been a guest on here for about a year now, and I was talking to Joe about hosting this show with our special guest here tonight, and he said, do it. So we're doing it. Um, this is chapter 148 of Rule the Galaxy. And tonight we have on a guy who we've had on before uh, since the last time we had him on. I started following his content a lot more. He was new to me back then, and I've followed a lot more of his stuff. Uh, Jake James Lugo. How you doing, Jake? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me on again. I appreciate you. And uh, You kind of messed up, though, with the intro. You should have said, do it. Like, you know, I, 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 I Star Wars fans going to be like, yo, come on, I give us the voice say, at least. I tried to say, do it. But <laughs> do I think it. my voice uh, skipped, but I just kept rolling. See, that, that's go. my first little... That's my first little bump in the road to start the show, but we're going to smooth out. That's what hey, we're going to do. You give them one freebie and that's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Jake, uh, I mean, we've had you on before and I mm -hmm. mean, I know you're a gamer, um, but yeah. also I know you're a Star Wars fan and yes. I think we're going to kind of hit, we're going to kind of try to run through all those points tonight. We're going to talk some yeah. gaming. We're going to talk some Star Wars. There's plenty mm -hmm. of stuff to talk about, mm -hmm. but if this mm -hmm. is people's first time hearing you on the show i want you to give them tell everybody briefly what you do where they can find you give tell us about yourself yeah sure i am literally everywhere uh literally you could search up jake james lugo on youtube and you'll find my channel it's the url to it is youtube.com slash gamers with games channel or jake james lugo in the title i literally cover games every single week new brand new highly edited highly produced video reviews on retro games on current games all types of games especially since this is a star wars podcast obviously you guys know i do a lot of star wars game reviews most recently i did jedi power battles uh not too long ago i also did content about knights of the old republic 2 the re-release from aspire on nintendo switch i've done reviews on all the atari 2600 games revenge of the sith star wars the force unleashed one and two like a whole bunch of games. Bottom line, I love video games. I love the discussion about games. I've been in the games industry as media for over 12 years now, going on 13. And I've done a lot of content that you definitely should check out. You can follow me on uh, Twitter at Jake James Lugo, on Instagram at Jake James Lugo, on TikTok at Jake James Lugo, posting there literally almost every day or every other day at this point. YouTube, Twitch, also my Patreon, patreon.com slash Jake James Lugo. I put up exclusive content over there. Show some love, show some support if you can. By the way, I just hit over 3K finally on the YouTube channel. So I'm hoping at some point soon I could get more support and I could break through 10K so I could do even more cool things for everybody out there, more great content, more good stuff, you know, gaming related, Star Wars related, et cetera. But I just want you guys to enjoy it and have fun with it. Yeah, man. I mean... I actually was uh, on your page today and I saw you were at that 3K mark. And I mean, for YouTube, I mean, we're 
we're getting close to 200 subscribers on YouTube it's because tough, man. that's like, that was something that we kind of started. I know Joe had started it before I was on the show and, you know, mm -hmm. I'd say maybe half of the existence of rule of the galaxy has been on YouTube, which, mm -hmm. you know, people, there are people who tune into each episode, but man, it's not easy to make it it's on there. Rough. You get to three K it's that's a, that's a imagine trying to get now to, to like 10 K that I want to do. I know people who are just hitting 50 K now. Like it's mm -hmm. not easy. And there's a lot of things that go into it. A lot of factors that come into play sometimes out of your control that you can't do anything about. It just is, you kind of just got to deal with it, but you roll with the punches. You keep at it. Like I've been doing for a while, again, outside of my professional career, writing about games, you know, for websites and stuff like, again, anybody that hasn't heard before, I, I think I told you guys last time I was here, I've written for places like Playboy, Red Bull gaming, uh, Podia gaming, IGN, you know, a lot of different places. And even with that, you know, I still haven't gotten a chance to blow up yet on YouTube, but I'm hoping, you yeah. know, because it's going to allow me to do more cooler stuff eventually. Yeah. And, and I I'll say this too, like, you know, how you say that they're highly produced. I mean, I, I, I have my guys that I subscribe to on YouTube where it's like, you know, I have my Lego guys that I follow. I have my hot mm -hmm. toys guys that I follow and they produce their videos very well. You are right up there with them as Thank far you. as your production level goes, because Number one, I feel like you don't mess around. You really kind of get to the point. You show, you talk about the controls, you talk about how smoothly it runs, graphics, stuff like that. And you yeah. kind of just get to the point on it. And that is what I like about your channel is you really don't mess around on it. And it's, it is well-produced. You do yeah. show good game clips and everything. I, I try to make it like that because I think I told you guys last time I was here is like one of my biggest inspiration is uh, Gene, uh, Gene uh, was it Siskel and Ebert? Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert, like specifically. And that's how they were when they talk about film. There's a lot of parallels between film criticism and games criticism now these days or over the last couple decades because it's just there's a lot of things that are just so similar to it so i borrow a lot of elements and i learn a lot from that type of stuff the way they approach film they reviewed film every single week brand new movie that they just had a debate or discussion about they just really got into the minutia of it but they were no nonsense they were like listen this is how we feel this is where we stand you either take it or you leave it but you're going to walk away with something with it and i admire that a lot Exactly. Yep. So, you know, hey, you might not like a game and someone else might, but this is your opinion. You're putting it out there. Exactly. Yeah. So I do have uh, down here that we have some upcoming Star Wars games that I've been hearing about. And I did mm -hmm. actually see an article the other day that Tamora Morrison kind of slipped saying he was doing a voice for a game and people were kind of like what and he kind of just like yeah i don't know much about that but that mm -hmm. has been floating around the twitter first, rumor but and until until so there's the thing funny thing about rumors especially when some of these actors slip up because sometimes different outlets will run with a certain idea of what it might be especially if it's a popular rumor and a popular like thing that's passed around people it might not always turn out the way it is that happened with jedi survivor now not too long ago with the name until somebody leaked out the name and it was an official leak like that that came from a legit source but you have to be very careful with leaks this is why i don't believe anything until either the company like the publisher comes out and says it or the person who's like directing the game or someone who's actually in it comes out and says something in an official capacity it just saves the headache yeah it does i mean that that kind of would summarize like star wars in general because right? i mean i have i have the taika news that i want to talk about a little bit mm. later but i mean you know 
So while while we talk about what you you know more than me, uh, what do we have coming up? I know we have Eclipse. We have a lot. But they're saying that's going to be in the distant future. Correct? Okay, but we, did they on? mention with, with some more more this game? Did they mention which publisher it is? Because that he could be doing it for a couple of different ones. Now the ones I know that are coming like over the horizon. Obviously, we got Jedi uh, Survivor, which is the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order, which is going to be big. You know, a lot of people, myself included, are looking forward to that. And by the way, Cal Kestis possibly getting a live action show, which is a whole another can of worms. But yeah. on top of that, we also have Star Wars Hunters, which we still haven't seen Switch gameplay of, which I've been bugging people about, you know, ever since Celebration, because I want to see legit gameplay. And I know Comic-Con is coming up sometime soon, if not fairly soon, that hopefully we get to see something there. Um, the same thing also goes for the, what is it? The Quantic Dream game, Star Wars Eclipse, which is way out there, but we've seen it. We know it exists. We know what it looks like. We don't know how it's going to play because well, however you feel or might not feel about Quantic Dream, you know that at least they produce a lot of good quality games, including Beyond Two Souls, uh, Heavy Rain, uh, what is it? Um, Detroit Become Human, which by the way, fun fact, I wrote the IGN guide for, for Detroit Become Human. Like those games are top quality, top notch. They're ridiculously like, you know, pretty well produced. So imagine bringing that level of quality to the Star Wars universe. So that's how that game's going to be. But there's been a lot of things passed around about that game one way or another that it might have multiplayer in it, which is weird for them. Like there's just a lot of things we just don't know. And it's mm -hmm. far off. So we probably won't hear about that until next year or the following year like that. Keep in mind now also too, we got two other games that are also confirmed, but we just don't know the titles. There's the Ubisoft open world game that we don't know what it is exactly. We just know it's coming. We know that they're doing something. They're cooking over there. And then we also have the Amy Henning game, which a lot of people are saying, because remember, Amy Henning was uh, attached to Project Ragtag, which was an uh, unannounced or untitled game that got canceled when she was over at Visceral. And now she's working on another Star Wars game. I think it might be something related to it or something similar to it you know, in that capacity, because it's not EA, as far as I know, but, you know, that's Amy Henning. That, that's the woman who helped create Uncharted and Legacy of Kane. Like, you know, we're going to get something good from that, especially if she's writing something for it. So that's yeah. what we got coming over the horizon very soon. And and what is uh, what is the one, again, that you were saying you were waiting for the Switch play because I've seen the trailers. For Star that. Wars Hunters. That's the one Star that Wars plays Hunters. like Overwatch. Like they, there's gameplay out because it's on mobile as well. So there's been mobile beta gameplay or like early access gameplay for it. Mm -hmm. But I want to see it and I want to play a demo of it on the Switch because here's the thing. A lot of mobile games that sometimes get ported over to Switch or vice versa aren't always that good. And mm -hmm. even though this is Star Wars, this could just be a lackluster, mediocre game with the Star Wars name attached to it. And they're borrowing a lot of elements from Overwatch or at least arena-based character uh, shooters that for one way or another. And it's just some, it just looks a little meh to me, but I want to at least get my hands on it to like really judge it. Yeah. And that it's funny because I was having this thought the other day. I was like, you know, obviously right now in the gaming universe, numbers wise, people are playing battle royales. I mean, yeah. a lot of people love them. I mean, I play Call of Duty still. Fortnite, um, PUBG, uh, yep. Apex. Exactly. Oh, right, not Apex, but like, you know, a lot of games are similar to that. Yeah. And I was thinking the other day, I'm like, there's no way that there's not a developer out there looking at it. Like we need to have some kind of Star Wars 
battle royale where you start off with a hundred players and you get down to that one winner or that one team that wins. Sure there's a conversation I, that happened at some point, yeah. but here's the thing with those style of games, like it, they're, they're not always easy to develop. They're not always easy to make. I mean, look for as many games that we have now that are battle royale, like there could be many more on top of that, or at least indie developers doing the same thing, but we don't, we only have a few that really resonate with people. The biggest one being Fortnite, obviously, or call of duty because of the call of duty, not even because of battle royale, because of the call of duty name. Really, mm -hmm. Fortnite was the one besides PUBG that really made that game type what it is now. Yeah. And that's where it's funny because it's like with that arena style battle, I think one of the harder things is you're going to have someone who has a lightsaber and you're going to have someone who has a blaster and you're going to try to make that an even fight. And it's hard to have an even fight when someone has a damn laser sword. Well, look you know at Overwatch. I mean? Overwatch has that same issue now with Genji with all the other characters that have guns and bullets. I mean, you got a cowboy for God's sakes against a giant gorilla that could put up a portable shield. It's like, come on. Like there's a lot of suspension of disbelief here. And that doesn't bother me as much because again, we're going to have a character that's a droidica. We're going to have a Jedi or a Sith or a dark acolyte, dark side user, whatever. We're going to have a, st a former stormtrooper because apparently it's supposed to be part of the canon which i don't believe i think they're just that word canon with them is loosely thrown around in many different ways for many different reasons but as long as it's fun to play as long as it's interesting then i'm cool with it but i'm just getting the the feeling that it might not be that and i that's why i want to get hands on time with it yeah yeah and and is that is that going console wise is that going to be just switch or will that go it's to just going to be switch and mobile no it's not going to be on the other platforms as far as i know because I, again the times that i've seen it come up including celebration that just passed they only said switch and mobile and mobile was the one that has gameplay out now and see that's something that that's something that gets me with star wars is it's like i've seen that the um Knights of the Old Republic remake is going to be exclusively for PS5. Is that true? No, no, that's not exclusively for PS5. Eventually, it's going to come to Xbox Series X and okay. Series S. I'm pretty Early, sure. Really. They, the thing is, number one, they can't really say it because I'm pretty sure Sony or PlayStation pulled out a bag for that time the exclusivity. It's not going to just be a console exclusive period because usually okay. what happens with some of these games, including games like Tomb Raider and stuff, they'll have a set amount of time that are exclusive to one console for a time you could only get it there and then when eventually they come up with like a game of the year edition it's on everywhere at some point yeah. so i'm pretty sure this is the same thing because i mean come on like a lot of people know knights of the old republic from the xbox original days like that 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 was literally synonymous with the original xbox and that's what helped make that genre you know relevant on there so uh, you know give it time if eventually when that game comes out because that's not coming out anytime soon i don't even think that's coming out next year that's by like the following year whenever they have finished making it because we only seen a little clip in an announcement that it was coming out yeah and i mean i'm what i'm hoping with that too is it's like i mean i personally i have the series x and it's like i'm longing for them to use its capabilities of graphics i mean i've seen the clips of unreal unreal engine 5 i know what it's capable of but it's like i feel like we're still kind of stuck in the development of the xbox one stage stuff is going to 4k stuff like that but it's like i'm ready for these games that are coming out to really take that to the next level i Yo, mean you're gonna I get forza we, forza is gonna yeah. be like that technically halo was supposed to be like that too but halo is having its own rocky problems at the moment but you're getting games eventually down the line that are going to really take advantage of starfield it's going to be one that, i mean that's a like a tangent to star wars but it's sci-fi you know in a sci-fi setting and there's other games eventually that'll really take advantage of that eventually when they get to elder scrolls as well because you know a lot of xbox bethesda stuff going on but we'll yep. see yeah and that's what i i mean i think you might have even shared the picture of it 
um, where I saw Cal from the first game of Jedi Fallen Order, and then they have Cal from Jedi Survivor. And just like the, I, I know that it's a, you know, a cinematic trailer, but I mean, it looks like they're going very realistic with this character. And I did read something saying, you know, they're going to make him look a lot more like the actor in real life because we're about to see him in these shows, which he, I he can't already wait. does technically. Like, I mean, yeah. Jedi Fallen Order looked really good. I played first time I played it because I played it later. I played it on PS5 and because I wanted to play it on there for the better visuals compared to PS4 and mm-hmm. the 60 frames per second of frame rate. And it looks great. I think Cal looks awesome. And if if this is a another, I mean, I don't think the game necessarily has anything to do with a live action thing of what they're planning. I think that was an afterthought. But if it connects in any way like that, I mean, all the better. I played The Witcher 3 later than everybody else, but I played it around the same time. I was watching The Witcher show on Netflix and it just made it that much more of a fun experience for me. Yep, yep. And and that that's one thing I will say about Jedi Fallen Order is it's like adventure game wise visually it's like I would get to certain points where I'd be walking on like a cliff or something like that I'd just stop and look out at the view of those maps and just be like damn they really they did not just yeah they didn't just care that your close surroundings look good I mean they were doing stuff off in the distance like they really just they immersed you into those worlds of that game and I mean that's that's one of the best single player story mode games, I, not just because I'm a Star Wars fan that I've played in a while. I mean, I felt like they just really did a good job with that. Agreed. So, yeah, I mean, and I did have down here, I had a top five or top 10 Star Wars games. For okay. You, which you can see, I don't even know that I can pull a top 10. I, I think know I, that I would be. Let's hear a 10. From okay, I think I pull not. 10. So in no descending order, even though it would go t- from 10 to 1, no no ranking descending order because every single one of these games I think are dope to, to say that. And right. I think it's hard because one day I can feel one's better than the other one day and then switch it up and it's like whatever. But I've played a lot of Star Wars games. And I will say that I think as like a good side note to that, 2000, 2001, no, 2002 to like 2010, was a great time for Star Wars games. Like, funny enough, one of the games I want to mention, I want to give a shout out to, because I was playing it just today, because the Steam sales happened, and I picked up some stuff on Steam because the Steam sales are dope. They're amazing. But set for Star Wars gamers, besides May the 4th, which all the sales are great, when those Steam sales hit and you get, like, really good sales on old classic Star Wars games, it's awesome. You're getting games for, like, two bucks, and you're getting all the DLC and stuff for it. It's crazy. But the first game I want to shout out is Empire at War. Because I was playing that today. Empire War is really like the voice acting, the the fact that it just takes you back to that classic time of RTS games, like around like StarCraft time. It's really going to, it just works well with the Star Wars universe. It's so dope. Have you ever played it? Yeah, I have. And that that game, um, I actually downloaded that around the time I used to play Warcraft 3. I never got into World of Warcraft, hmm. but I liked Warcraft 3 because it yeah, was that classic. Day- base building top-down look on it and if i'm not mistaken that's how this star wars game was correct kind of kind of like warcraft 3 i think is obviously a little bit more primitive because i think it came out before empire war if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. the time frame but uh with with empire war you not only got the the rebel lines and the galactic empire but you get a lot of units in there a lot of characters as hero mm-hmm. units and just the idea that you get to play both on ground and space combat 
with it. They can control stuff. It's just fun. Like there's, there's just something about it. It just works and it's good. The presentation is awesome for back then. It's got DLC. It's got extra content, you know, which is a typical thing for PC games back in the day like that, that consoles didn't really get into till much later. It just was dope. It was just a great game, especially even if you're not an RTS fan, I feel like you could get into it in the same way that someone that's not an RTS fan could go play Halo Wars and then probably get into it in that same way. Not so much StarCraft because StarCraft is still complicated, kind of like what Warcraft 3 is or and, or anything like, you know, Age of Empires or something, but it, it's it's uh, streamlined enough to get you into it nicely, which is cool. Yep. So that would be, I guess, number 10. Number nine, I guess I could say is uh, Shadows of the Empire. As you know, it's probably my favorite, one of my favorites, uh, plain and simple, because that's the first N64 game I ever played. And I think it's one of the last few original games or original ideas and stories that come out when George Lucas was still, you know, hit honcho, really, back in the day. That was was before prequel stuff. That was based on original trilogy stuff. Because remember, it takes place between Empire and Return of the Jedi. So that whole thing based with the whole multimedia event, with the book, with the comics, with the soundtrack, the game was really the thing that everybody remembered because that was exclusive to the N64 for a time before it came to PC. I mean, any thoughts or? Yeah, I mean, I've just been playing that recently, actually. And I mean, it's still challenging. It's still fun. And it's funny because I didn't know as much about the EU until I've started talking to Joe and the guys on this podcast. Mm. And um, they were big Shadows of the Empire fan when that book came out. And I'm just like, oh, I love the N64 game. And uh, yeah, I'm replaying it now because when I was a kid, I wasn't following the storyline. on it. I was playing it because it was Star Wars. I'm running around, I'm blasting stuff, whatever. Now I'm following the storyline. I'm starting it back up. I was was streaming it the other night. I know that you were on there when I was playing the Mm -hmm. odd level. I saw that. They, uh, they they just did a damn good job with that game. I mean, they that, that switched battle it of Hoth up. Level, that's, that's one of the most famous battle of Hoth renditions in a video game uh, ever, you know, now yeah. obviously later on with battlefront and stuff, it got better. Uh, but before mm-hmm. that, keep in mind, we had super star Wars and super empire that did that. Then we had also the Atari 2600 game that did it also, which played like defender, you know, but this one was the first real 3d one that you could play the battle of Hoth, and you could yeah. do the whole thing with a tow cable with an ATAT or just shoot probe droids, shoot ATSTs. It was dope. It was great. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, and it was awesome. And then it had all these other things going on for it. An original star Wars game that's set in during the original trilogy, which I mean, yep. you can't get any better than that for an OT fan like that back yep, in the day. Exactly. I agree. Um, number eight, I guess I could say, because I'm going to jump around a little bit, I would, to bring it up, I'll say Super Star Wars, even though I know it's very buggy and very like, you know, it's got a lot of imbalanced issues, but it's still a fun 16-bit action game or that whole series, Super Star Wars. So Super Star Wars, Super Empire, and Super Jedi, like that, they're all good, especially if you like platformers, you like action games, you could Mm -hmm. figure it out, like as far as like the things to exploit and get around it, you could have a lot of fun with those games. And they had great 16-bit renditions of the music, the John Williams tracks, think that's awesome so i'd put all those in one little bundle like that and you did Um, a review on that game right on super star wars specifically the only reason why i did the first game is because that's the only one that most recently got a new release on psn Mm -hmm. and it's still available now you can still go download it for cheap on psn but empire and return of the jedi never got a a second release after that which i always thought was confusing i always thought that was weird because you would think that they would want to offer those to everybody that would be interested to buy it because i think super star wars did pretty good you know, when he mm-hmm. first came out, I remember buying it that like first couple of days. So yeah. I know people that were picking it up as well, but um, cool. I definitely did that. So number seven, if I had to choose again, again, no descending order and stuff. So we're jumping around, I would say the force unleashed. 
the first Force Unleashed game specifically, because Force Unleashed 2, I think, is a bad game for a number of reasons. A lot of it is not under its own control, because remember, it was supposed to be the second in a trilogy of games that we were supposed to get. But the first Mm -hmm. Unleashed 1 is pretty good because it's a new interpretation of how a Jedi or Sith wield the Force in a much more uh, cataclysmic type of way, almost. There's a lot of cool ideas, even though it's Legends material now, like you could go back and play that game or play the re-release on Nintendo Switch. Just the idea of pulling down a Star Destroyer from the air or just like, you know, pushing things with the force and like all these troopers or all these like, you know, different debris goes crazy. Like there's a lot of really cool, fun ideas in there on how to use the force. I mean, did you mess around with it at all? Yes. Yeah. And I remember... <clears throat> excuse me i remember uh one of my favorite parts of that was being able to grab something with the force and be able to pull it closer move it over yep. throw it at some stormtroopers t- turn and throw a box over a bridge for the hell of it like yeah that just that was one of the first games where you just felt like oh my god like i just have full control of a jedi right now and yeah. i can actually use all the skills that he's capable of yeah and what's cool is you could combine powers with it like you could you could grab someone with force grab force uh, you know grip and just like have them float you could shoot them with electricity you know with force lightning and then throw it at people and have it explode with electricity to damage enemies like there's a lot of cool things in there and then the lightsaber combat for what it was it was very bun mashy but it was still fun there was a lot if you watch the behind the scenes like making of that game and you see the stuff going on with uh what is it sam Witwer and everybody else really well done really cool stuff uh so within that same era too which is really dope i got to mention this the next game number six i would say republic commando because that's another one that even though I have my criticisms of it, I still think is an awesome original concept to reinterpret how you view Star Wars because that was the first really gritty interpretation of Star Wars that we got, you know, outside of the movies. And as far as games, it's very clean. It's very like, you know, idealistic. It's very like fantasy in a sense for a lot of the games that came before them. But with this one, you're playing as a Republic commando, you're uh, the Trandoshans that are there, or, you know, the Geonosians, I'm sorry, that are there. You're stabbing them with like a little viral blade. You know, you're fighting like other droids and stuff. The, the super battle droids are intimidating. Like you're not a Jedi. They make that very clear from the very get-go. But like the idea where you take elements of Star Wars and you blend it with Rainbow Six or Ghost Recon, and you look at the, again, the behind the scenes of that, and you look how they, they worked with real, like, you know, I, I don't think it was Navy SEALs or like SWAT team in order how to get like the actual positioning of like the different troopers and stuff. And like how that would work when you're breaching an area. That's awesome. Yep. So that's super yeah. awesome. And I recently, I actually just recently got that and I haven't played fully through it. I've only played like the first two levels or so, but um, yeah. I'm always keeping my eye on the Xbox marketplace. If there's any, you know, OG Xbox games uh, or, you know, 360 games or whatever, Mm-hmm. on there and i saw that on there i'm like man my one of my buddies told me he loved this i'm like i gotta download it. i still haven't played through it but yeah you can you can kind of like call out your guys like hold back move forward you get know, some get backed up <laughs> yeah. yeah there's a the, like the, the thing is is that i play i reviewed that also on the channel and i played it on the playstation like that or that playstation version and it, it's available for everywhere but the thing is, is that because that game was made at a time where we were still figuring out how to actually make first person shooter games really work on a console with a controller, as opposed to mouse and keyboard, some of the controls are very awkward and I don't think they hold up. You're very heavy 
almost in that game uh compared to like when you're playing halo the first halo or the second halo game like it's night and day the way those two games feel even though again i love like the easiest comparison is to rainbow six or to ghost recon rainbow six specifically because like rainbow six vegas i think would be a good like uh example of that where controlling your teammates and your squad and ordering them where to go beautiful both games do it masterfully but the way that you move and the way that you can't even really like jump in republic commando like how you could in other fps games that were on the xbox at the time just feels very awkward like if that game was remade now it would play exactly like every other fps game like a call of duty like and it would feel beautiful because it's that type of control scheme in the star wars universe it'd be awesome that would be a freaking awesome remake and i mean a lot of people would buy it too if they i want a sequel i've said for years like i want a sequel set in the galactic civil war i feel like that that was the natural next step like they did it in books and stuff but like i wanted another game at some point i thought that'd be so cool i I mean if money would be to me whether people are buying it would be no question if you just Mm -hmm. look at how much fans love the clone wars and love that era of star wars and especially because a lot of the um people who love it are our age you know still in that gaming world you know people would freaking buy that man so Mm -hmm. man i hope they do that i would be hyped on that that that'd be sweet so number five i guess i would say again i'm jumping around again i would say revenge of the sith uh, star wars episode three revenge of the sith the game because a couple of reasons now keep in mind this was re- released before the movie came out literally this was the marketing material besides all the trails and stuff for the movie everybody that was seeing this movie bought this game either on the playstation 2 or on the xbox at some point and like a lot of the stuff that you get in the game you don't see in the movie and it's actually better than some of the scenes in the movie including the fight with mace windu the fight with general grievous you know, the final battle on Mustafar, I would even argue, uh, the the fight in the Jedi Temple during Ori 66, when he fights Syndralic and his apprentice, like there's a lot of people, a lot of things in this game that are awesome. But I also credit it to being the game that really put lightsaber combat on the map to do it right. Because even when I, when you saw my review of Jedi uh, Power Battles, I said, this is the game that Jedi Power Battles wishes it was, literally, mm-hmm. because it feels better to control. Like it feels oh, better yeah. to control, feels better to do co-op with another person, has the best lightsaber dueling mode period to date still, in my personal opinion. It's just a great, solid Jedi-focused game. Okay. And see, that is that is one of the Star Wars games that I never played, and it just became available fairly yeah, recently it. on the Xbox get market. It. Get it. So. It's totally worth it. To- I mean, it's a little different on the Xbox marketplace than it is on the PlayStation one you know, for different reasons, because the two different versions of the game on, on both consoles at the time, like some bugs and stuff are a little bit different and the controls might feel a little bit different here and there, but it's still just as fun no matter where you play it. Yep. Um, number four, I would say Rogue Squadron, Star Wars Rogue Squadron. That's another fan favorite, my favorite on N64. I still think it's one of the best uh, flight-based combat games in the Star Wars universe, you know, games based on Star Wars. A lot of people would also go to like Rogue Leader or Rebel Strike. Rogue Leader, a lot of people say is like the best one out of the entire series. I understand it, but I think that Rogue Squadron, the original N64, still holds up better than the PC version because I know the PC version has a lot of problems. I've, I came this close to getting it on steam and then reviewing it for the channel but i read about all the issues with the camera and other stuff that you need mods to make it work and i'm like i don't, I don't want to deal with this but i played on nsk4 again most recently reviewed it for the channel i had a blast the game is awesome yeah i mean i remember i remember going to friends houses because i remember i got my 64 a little bit later i was a ps1 guy and um i remember we used to actually have battles like I, I'd, I'd be like ps1 is better and, they, and then i would see i'm like 
damn, N64 has Rogue Squadron. Let's play this. And I'd just be like, damn, mm-hmm. this game is awesome. That's a nostalgia game for me, too. I mean, Word. to be able to fly an X-Wing in that and, and fly it in the different settings that you were able to fly it in, too. Yeah. I mean, like, if I'm not mistaken, there is like almost like a desert type planet that you fly your x-wing in that right well well you go to tatooine that's the yeah. first stage that literally it's you know you're going over the lars homestead you're going over beggars canyon you're going over mos eisley protecting mos eisley from like a bunch of thai bombers just coming out of nowhere just bombing mos eisley like the empire <laughs> just got tired of it it was like you know what we're done we're just finished Screw this place. <laughs> you know, we're, we're finished with this cantina nonsense all this stuff but like there's a lot of other cool things in that game that if you're a big fan of like episode four stuff You'll love it because all the control schemes are named after pilots, including Luke, including Wedge, including Dak, uh, Hobby, all of them. Like, it's really cool, like, stuff like that. You get to do the Beggar's Canyon run with Wedge in them the, from all of the members of Rogue Squadron, where you could use the T-16 Skyhopper to go through the different paths. That's a that's a huge Easter egg or huge deep cut for a lot of Star Wars fans that you actually get to do that. You know, you get to play a lot of the legendary battles. Obviously, like the, the Death Star Trench run is in there. The Battle of Hoth is in there. I always thought it was weird that they never did Return of the Jedi's uh, space battle, you know, against the Death Star. But I was like, okay, they got the Death Star one. That makes sense to me yep. than more than anything else. But like, it's a really cool flight-based game. And you get all the ships that you get to control. That's really yep. where it was at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're making me want to play that now. And, <laughs> and that... And that is one that I don't physically have. And I swear I did at one point, oh, but like, you know, how, like when I was a kid, man, there would be times where it would be like, Hey, you could borrow this and let me borrow that or whatever. And sometimes, I mean, I have games that I borrowed where me and me and a guy would trade off and, mm. and then neither of us would ever. That's how we used to do back in the other. day. Yep. yep. So, so, to do so that I think, the day. I think I may have lost that at one point and I'm probably going to get it. You got to go to nearby, the, on the secondary nearby hobby store, pick that bad boy up. Don't go to eBay. Whatever you do is way overpriced. Like got to go to a convention or something to find that. But yeah, exactly. We're on number three, right? So number three, yep. I think now I'm going to say uh, Empire Strikes Back Atari 2600. And the reason being, I know that's, it's, it's an oldie. It's a classic. I just reviewed that one with the other Atari 2600 games I reviewed on the channel. The reason why I say that is because it's a classic because it still plays very good even today. For as archaic as that game is compared to a lot of other games on there, the idea that you're playing the Battle of Hoth in a Defender-like style, I think is just fun. It still holds mm-hmm. up. Like I went through all those Atari 2600 games and every single one of those games, except for that one, has its quirks and stuff that just kill the fun in some way. But that one has the most fun to play through. Like, have you ever played that version of that game? No, I haven't actually. Yep, that is one that I have not. So. It's, it's, a, it's a good one. And a lot of people that back in the day that owned like Star Wars stuff, like after the first movie and even the second movie came out because the first Star Wars game, I think was either that was Empire strikes back or the arcade game port of the actual like arcade game uh after the empire strikes back came out which was weird because in Mm -hmm. japan they had stuff for the famicom which was the star wars game for the famicom which is a really difficult really almost borderline broken game like it's Mm -hmm. in the same way that uh the game that we got for the nes here in the states is a little bit different um but yeah it's still an oldie but a goodie so number two i think this one's kind of obvious is star wars battlefront and i would say battlefront 2 specifically classic battlefront 2 for the record not the not the ea one not the not the dice one okay because they're they're on timeout right now what they did but the reason being is because i i even got this recently on pc too i played it a lot on ps2 
back in the day. I own all the Battlefront games, and that one still holds up as being the most fun, the most engaging, has the most content as far as I'm concerned when it comes to like stuff you could do. And the one that people always go back to with fond memories, like always yeah. go back to and like it say a lot of great stuff about it. Yep, I agree. And I mean, I, I feel like that was the first thing that got me into like clone troopers. I mean, obviously you had like, you know, obviously you had the prequel trilogy and attack the clones. Well, what now was Battlefront one? Did that have the clones in it or was that two? Now I'm confused. No, Battlefront Battlefront one did have the clones in it. Like okay, they had exactly. they had both eras. Like the thing, the one thing I will say about every Battlefront game, including the classic ones, that they never did is that they never mixed and they let you mix and match the eras. Like you couldn't mm -hmm. like have the clones against the rebel alliance or the clones against the galactic empire or the droids against the rebels. Like I wish they were able to do that or decided to do that. Cause I was like, why not? Like that's yeah. something that just like you could have, you could mess around with the galactic conquest more. You could do more stuff with like multiplayer matches. That'll be really cool. That's where they're worried about breaking canon is there. I mean, just like we can't break canon at here. That we point, can't. Like, <laughs> when you're talking about multiplayer stuff though, like I can understand canon with like story stuff. I can understand canon with like, if you're trying to tear and tell a narrative game, but multiplayer games or games that are meant to be a lot more fun like that, just go buck wilds with it. Like that's doesn't yeah. seem like a thing to me where it's like, okay, like, well, obviously this is not canon. The droids are not going to be fighting the empire at this time. Like obviously, but yeah. to me, that would be so much fun. And that, that's my only nitpick about that entire series. But other than that, it's fantastic. Like yeah. that, to me, that's almost ideal Star Wars right there. As, as good as it gets. I bet you there was a guy on the development team who was just like, man, let's, let's let people mix and match with this. Let's let them have a little fun with it. And someone was probably just like, no, we're not doing that. I nope. mean, there's gotta be some logistical or technical reason why they never did it. Or it's just something they just forgot because like you look at it, and especially when you go online with some of the other games, like because I know Battlefront 1 and 2, you could go online via Xbox Live back in the day. You couldn't really do it with the PlayStation 2. And later games, the Battlefront games allowed you to go online, especially the one on the PSP, Elite Squadron and Renegade Squadron. They allowed you to do that. Uh, but obviously the one that people know from going online is the one is by EA and DICE, you know, Battlefront yeah. 1 and 2. Those are the more idealized version of what Battlefront could become in the modern day, savor all the stuff that they messed up on, like straight up, like it's, there's no getting around it. But I always respected, especially Battlefront 2 from Pandemic, which the, the 2005 one, that they allowed both ground and space combat you know, real space combat, like going into the air. The next step for them that they were going to do that everybody knows is they're going to be the seamless transition from ground to space and space to ground. That There's yep. footage of that out there that for anybody listening now, like if you haven't seen it, go look it up. It looks dope. It looks really awesome. And that would have been a really special game for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've played that recently because they've, you know, they've added those to the marketplace. And I mean, I, I have my PS2 here, which I can play it on that. But I mean, to be able Same. to throw that on on the Xbox, it's like, it's funny because I, I got I got into a Galactic Conquest on there pretty recently, and I'm just like, I'm playing this right now and enjoying this probably more than the one that actually yeah. looks freaking real. A lot of people new, did. You know? A lot of people are like that. That was an awesome one. Now, granted, I criticized it in my own reviews because I reviewed Battlefront 1 and 2 Classic together as a pair in the video that I did with them. And that was one of the things I, I criticized about it was the Galactic Conquest in some respects, but it's still more fun than some of the stuff you get in EA's Battlefront in a lot of yeah. different ways. There's a lot more content in there, but number one, and again, no descending order. I will say before I say my, the number one, the honorable mention, I shouldn't mention, cause you know, somebody's going to be like, why didn't he mention this? Jedi Fallen Order, obviously. And the only reason why yeah. I don't mention that as the 10 is because of two reasons. Number one, I don't think the Dark, Dark Souls style combat and gameplay is for everybody. I've been very open about my criticisms of that style of game. And funny enough, 
a friend of mine is working on the next one now and he's done stuff with respawn now so the you know different things with that but he told me that during the first jedi fallen order game or jedi game was that the guy who was in charge of that he was a real big fan of the soul style games like dark souls bloodborne neo sekiro etc die hard fan but he was smart enough to be like, listen, we got to take the best elements of this and streamline it for the Star Wars fandom because not everybody's going to love this style of game because those games are very hard. Those games are yeah. very difficult and crazy. So it ended up turning into the game that we know now, which I think was to its benefit, which is when I reviewed it, I said that exact same thing. The guy was like, it almost felt like the guy was making the game for me. If that I, makes sense. Uh, I, learned the, uh, I learned about a lot about Dark Souls stuff uh, pretty recently. Mm. I did not know, you know, that is something I was oblivious to. And um, when they came out with uh, Elden Ring, uh, yep. that's what it mm -hmm. was, Elden Ring, right? Elden Ring. Uh, yeah, I bought it and I played it a little bit. And I mean, I know my one buddy who's damn good at gaming and he was telling me some of the challenges he was running into. And I'm just like, nope. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, ah, I think I'm just going to back off. Well, that's my point is like that style of game is not for because those games are notorious for being difficult for various like difficult reasons itself, mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, what Jedi Fallen Order ended up being. And I think Jedi Fallen Order is one of the best renditions of that style of game because it feels a little bit more fair. It feels a little bit much more like you could get your bearings and feel like you're in control mm -hmm. where the game and not the environment or everything around you is trying to kill you or like against you and trying to make you feel bad for playing it you know what i mean like yep. it's it's one of those things but that's an honorable mention for that just for that reason and also for the fact that we're getting a sequel soon so we don't know the full scope of like what cal kestis and everything else will become or at least how it'll be looked at back in the day but the number one is an obvious one is knights of the old republic and and the reason right. why Again, the reason why I say no descending order with these games, because you could easily say your number one is Battlefront 2 or Battlefront in general. You, you could easily say Rogue Squadron is your number one, you know, as Star Wars games are concerned. But the reason why I put uh, Knights of the Republic on there and not part two, because I haven't finished part two yet because of, you know, obvious reasons. But Knights of the Republic 1, I think, is a seminal game. It's a seminal RPG. It's an RPG that I feel like every RPG fan needs to play. I feel like it's a, a game that even if you're not into Western RPGs and you're not into Star Wars, if you like JRPGs and that's like your only thing, play this game because it does things so well with the way that it puts you into the universe of Star Wars, into a galaxy far, far away as a role that you're taking on where they're the world building around it, the races, the places you go visit. Granted, the combat itself hasn't really aged all that well. And I've been very critical of that. And everybody that's played this game has been critical of that. Uh, it, it follows the D&D &D format, which is still turn-based combat that you see in a lot of JRPGs, but everything else around it is just so well done. And the story itself with Revan, with Malik, with the, the old Republic itself, you know, the, the way that the Jedi Order was back then, as opposed to what we see in the movies, the fact that you, you know, you have all these side stories with different characters that are part of your party and outside of your party that you meet in some of the different planets. Like, I still remember the, my first time in that game going to Kashyyyk which is a little bit different than what we see in the prequels and, and some of the other later editions of Star Wars or going to Dantooine, which we only hear about in episode four, but we never actually got to see the planet, what that was like, you know, because it was an, an abandoned base from the Rebel Alliance back then before uh, Alderaan was destroyed. Like we got to go to Nar Shaddaa and like, uh, uh, what is it? Knights of the Republic 2, but like staying on KOTOR 1, I feel like it's just a seminal game that just does so many things well that like really is like almost close to the apex of what a Star Wars game could be. Yep. And that's one that I've uh, started recently and that mm -hmm. I still have not gotten into the, you know, I've, 
it's funny because like you're saying, I mean, as far as uh, RPG games go and stuff like that, I mean, I have buddies who love Fallout. They love, um, you know, a lot of the Bethesda stuff. Yeah. And some of them are not Star Wars fans. They're you're, they're they're just not as into it. But they love Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, like, that's Bioware, that baby. Up. That's classic yeah. Bioware too. Like, yeah, that, you, that's the type of Bioware that people wish we had right now. Because but the same thing that you got in Mass Effect, the first two, three Mass Effect games, that's what you were getting with Knights of the Old Republic. Like that level of quality of storytelling, of world building, character design, character development. Like just the same way that people felt about Garrus, they probably felt about uh, was it not K two S um was it HK third HK thirty seven I think it is mm-hmm. you know the droid or or like you know any one of the other characters that are in your party uh mission you know the Twilight that hangs with you practically or or uh, what is it Bastila Bastila is probably one of the best female Star Wars characters that we've had in the entire franchise right next to Leia right next to uh, Padme like there's there's just something about this game with everything coming together just works so well and it's not everybody's cup of tea with the way that it plays but if you go in with an open mind if you go in if you know RPGs at least a little bit or just love Star Wars in general and you like a good story you can't go better than that in my opinion Yep. And that's one that I like, it's, it's been in the back of my mind where I'm just like, I need to play this. I need to play this. And it's like, that is one of the challenges too, with it's like, you know, sometimes gaming, you know, you got buddies on call of duty, you got them on whatever it's like, you hop on. It's like, you know, I don't always have that time for that single player, you know, time for me to connect with it, which I need to do. I need to just Just make the time out. You yeah. just gotta set the time. Like instead of playing with the buddies, like take that like couple hours you might get throughout the week, play that. And I'll tell you yeah. right now, you you come out like feeling like a million bucks by the time you yeah. finish. Like it'll take you a while. Come wrong, that's like a forty plus, fifty plus hour game. Like you can yeah. really get deep into it, but it's so worth it. And I feel like again, if if that was my list of top ten Star Wars games, like that's a solid list. And I know there's others I didn't mention there, like obviously the Clone Wars games, obviously the the portable games, some of the portable games like Revenge of the Sith. A lot of people go to. A lot of other people would say Bounty Hunter. A lot of people would say Jedi Starfighter. Except the list goes on. But like mm-hmm. those would be like 10 like recommendations I would give. Again, no descending order. Yeah. Hey, that's a damn good list, man. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you got me wanting to play pretty much all of them right now. So. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I want to do, uh, now that we, now we hit a lot of gaming stuff, I want to move on a bit to number one. I have, I have written in my notes here. You're going to Disney world soon. You're going to be going two weeks, bro. Like uh, not next week, the week after I'm going to galaxy's edge for the first time, I'm going to be in Disney world for five days when I'm out there, I'm going to go everywhere, but check this out because I'm going to galaxy's edge. I have to go do all the things. Number one, I'm going to go build my lightsaber at savvy's workshop. Okay, I'm gonna go build my droid. I'm gonna go build an R2, specifically an R2 unit out of principle. I'm not building yep. a BB-8. And I'm not building an R4. I'm not building that other little <laughs> droid that looked like a unicycle. No, we're building an R2 unit. Okay, we're going yep. with the classics. Okay, yep. uh, I'm gonna go to the cantina. I'm gonna go get myself a Yub Nub. Okay, now a yep. Yub Nub drink over there comes with a glass and a souvenir glass costs like forty bucks. Has the entire Battle of Endor inscribed on it. That's why I'm getting that glass. Like the, the other ones that are there, because there was a couple others that I saw. There's the, the, the Rancor teeth, which are literally teeth, but it's like four of them. And they're all different beers that they serve at the cantina. Yeah. It's like a hundred bucks. The problem is I would do it if it didn't look like just a bunch of teeth there. Like that, to me, I looked at it, I was like, this is not a hundred bucks. This mm-hmm. does not feel like a hundred bucks. And then the other one was a pork, which is the pork drink that they have there. I got, a, I got beef with the porks. Okay. They look like little footballs. You just want to punt or whatnot. No, yeah. I'm not doing pork. <laughs> that's my, that's my beef with the sequel trilogy. No, no porks. 
We're going yeah. with classics here. And I feel like that Yub Nub is, is, is looking real good. I can't wait to do that. And I'm getting the blue milk. I'm getting the blue milk from the cantina because it comes with a it's cookie. It's damn good. It's it's really good, man. <laughs> I, I just I went for wait. the first time my uh, myself. And, you know, oh. I won't spoil a... Uh, I won't spoil anything for you, but I'll say it's like, you know, I have, I have my little one with me and me and him went first thing in the morning and oh, yeah. me and him had that star Wars experience together. Cause he's five years old. And oh, I felt like, awesome for him. yeah, I felt like it was, I felt like it was that moment with me and him where he was lost in the world of star Wars. I mean, I've heard some people who are critical of Gal- galaxy's edge and it's like Fair, fairly some, so to be honest, because yeah. I, I watched a lot. I'm getting hyped over the last like week or so and I'm leading into it. I'm watching everything. I watched a lot of star Wars theory stuff because he was there and he did the, the whole uh, unboxing the legacy lightsabers. I saw, he also went to the cantina that I'm going to, or no, he yeah. went to the one in Disneyland because I'm going to one in Disney world, which is Orlando. He was in California, yep. but they're the same thing for the most mm-hmm. part i've been watching a lot of disney food blog with the food stuff like some of the the snacks there because i'm i might get a ronzo wrap i mean it looks good depending because i'm drink i'm drinking when i go to the canteen i'm getting at least a couple oh, yeah. things there when i'm there uh and also the rise because obviously i want to go ride ride of the resistance i want to go ride the falcon like i'm going to yep. be there all day for the most part because i'm going to hollywood studios that whole day and a good chunk of it is going to be a galaxy's edge for me so i yep. can't wait I'm excited. That's what uh, we we walked in. We we went directly to Rise of the Resistance. I just mm-hmm. beeline right to beeline that. right for that. Yep. Eight o'clock in the morning. That's what I'm doing. Yep. <laughs> and it, it's funny because like if you stay at um like the Disney hotels, you I can am. go like 30 minutes before yeah, the no, park. The, for us, it's early access. You could instead of nine o'clock where the park normally opens, they're opening it up for people that are staying on Disney property on a resort. Uh, yep. at like eight o'clock so that's what i'm doing i'm staying in the coronado springs which is the mexican like three caballeros themed uh hotel yep. which is a real nice part of it because they just renovated it but mm-hmm. when i go that day I'm, I'm getting a mad early i'm getting the genie plus i know that people have problems with the thing but yo that's the one day that genie yeah. plus is going to be had and that's what's going to be done but i i even got so down to the point i know which lightsaber i want to build because they give you like a choice of like four or five of them i'm getting the one called peace and justice because again it's like real classic you know, like either Obi-Wan or, or regular type of lightsaber that we know of. And yeah, uh, yeah I'm thinking of getting a blue uh, blue blade and possibly, because I've been thinking about it, I'm thinking about getting a, a Jedi holocron when I go there for okay. the for the actual, with the actual kyber crystal so I could actually yeah. have that. Yeah, man, I'm pumped for you because I had I had a blast when I just went there. I really, I really did. So um, I'm yeah, looking forward I mean, to I, it. Uh, yeah I'm, I'm pumped for you i'm excited for the content you're gonna pump out oh yeah i'm vlogging I'm, I'm vlogging the entire thing i'm gonna put stuff on tiktok i'm gonna put stuff on instagram i'm getting i'm gonna have like an extra camera on me to get video so i could do a whole vlog of like not just my disney trip but like specifically that i'm gonna put a whole video together i'm gonna edit it when i get back like the week after when i come back i'm gonna put that all together in like adobe premiere and after effects and it's gonna be dope <laughs> yeah i'm ready for that man, oh, man. I'm, I'm excited for you um, other other stuff I had here too was I saw a quote from Taika Waititi today saying, mm-hmm. you know, well he said I'm working on my Star Wars idea. We'll see how that happens. I did not like the word that he said my Star Wars idea mm-hmm. because now it's turned now it's turned into from Kathleen Kennedy saying, you know, Taika yeah. Waititi's movie is our next movie. That's yeah. She said that at Celebration, by the way, which yeah. Is- the, the, the funny thing about that, and I've been watching a lot of videos, like getting opinions and like seeing where the, like the pulse is with this. And there's a lot of miss, it sounds like a lot of miscommunication and also a lot of like one hand's not talking to the other, you know, type of yeah. thing with it. Because 
him saying that he's still writing the script or that he's still formulating his idea. We're not seeing that movie anytime soon. We're not seeing that next year. I don't think we're shooting. I don't think he's shooting that next year even because remember he's got other movies he's doing. He just finished Thor Love and Thunder. Like, right. Like not so long. That's coming out next week. Now. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then he's got two other movies he's doing over the next year, year and a half. So he's going to be busy for a minute. And I feel like, Taika's movie, whenever it's done, it's going to get done. And I think it's a lot further off than what Kathleen or anybody else has been saying. I think they need to get it straight and be realistic and honest with the the Star Wars fan base of like when and how things are done or like when we're going to expect to see things. Because you notice we get a lot of that with Marvel. Okay. There's like certain things in Marvel, like things move with Marvel most of the time. But like when Kevin Feige comes on, he's like, listen, this is what's up. That's what's up for the time. Unless something drastic happens, which is happen every once in a while but when he shifts stuff around you know he's still the man at work over there exactly yeah and it's like to me to me the way taika has communicated it i feel like it's almost his way of directly saying to kathleen like hey you know we talked it's about done when it's I'm done. Gonna do my, yeah <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna do my movie for you but i'm not gonna sit here and you know scribble something out as fast as i can so we you know can what get Star about Wars that though you know, you know what's crazy about that is because this seems like the start of that same cycle we've seen with what's been going on with lucasfilm for a while because remember yep. we were supposed to get the rogue squadron movie sometime soon and that seems like that's not happening like i know kathleen and a few other people have said that but let's be real for a second like it does not seem like all is well in paradise mm-hmm. with that film let alone what's what's going on with lucasfilm because remember keep in mind they just announced skeleton crew which is another project that they're doing. We just finished Obi-Wan. We're going to get Ahsoka. We're getting the, the Acolyte. We're getting all this other stuff. And, and the Bad Batch is coming up soon. Mandalorian season three is happening fairly soon. Like yep. there's a lot. And they're already talking about also a season two of Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's like, there's a lot of things going on. And I feel like there isn't so no like concrete, like, okay, this is yeah. what uh, the, the schedule we could kind of expect is in stone for the next two years like this. Mm-hmm. You know, it just seems like, one person saying some Kathleen saying something, another person saying something. It's like, no, we got to get some consistency here because I see consistency with Marvel. I see consistency with other Disney stuff. What's going on with Lucasfilm? Mm-hmm. It's almost like you want to say to Kathleen, like, hey, like you're giving us a lot of stuff right now. You don't need to tell us that we're going to have don't this talk. movie. Just don't yeah. say anything. Like granted, Star Wars Celebration happened. And, you know, that's Star Wars Celebration. Really, all of it was really about Kenobi, was about uh, the Bad Batch, was about Ahsoka because they talked about it. And then all the other stuff happening with Star Wars. I don't think she really needed to say anything about Taika's movie, yep. you know, to be honest, yeah. or anything else beyond that. Yeah, that's why I, I've said it on here. This will probably be the third or fourth episode where I just think that Kathleen should find a Star Wars podcaster out there that she has next to her. And when someone asks her a question, they just say, don't answer that one, Kathleen. Don't answer that one. It's just, it's PR. <laughs> you know, it's Kathleen, you know, and I get, a, she gets a lot of flack for a lot of things, you know, yeah. understandably. And I think also justifiably and fairly so, you know, the, the discourse with Star Wars has been really weird, especially recently with Kenobi, which we'll probably get into. Mm -hmm. But like with her specifically, she's also the same person that also helped John and Dave get the Mandalorian made. She's also the same one that also now, the reason why we got an Obi-Wan Kenobi show, you know, whether you like it or hate it. This is also the same reason why we also have Ahsoka coming out besides what Dave's been doing. Like, you know, she's there and like, she's fairly criticized for a lot of things, especially with the sequel trilogy, but she's also there for all the good stuff too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yep, I agree. I agree. And I'm going to take that. I want to transition into Kenobi. I mean, Mm. I know, um, I know uh, how I felt about it. I've talked about it for two episodes. If there's listeners who know how I feel about it, I mean, I can add in to what what you want to say, but I want to hear 
I mean, obviously, I've I've seen some of your TikToks talking about fan discourse and a lot of the crazy stuff that's mm-hmm. happened over the last couple of weeks with this. So, one, I want to hear what you thought about Kenobi, and two, we can get into that other conversation sure. about the bigger picture. Definitely, because there's a lot to unpack with it. So, first, the show itself. I even did episode by episode reviews on YouTube, which I have as a whole podcast. There's a whole playlist for that. So if you guys want more detailed stuff beyond what I'm going to say now, definitely check that out later after this episode, by the way, don't go anywhere. Okay. (laughs) But uh, overall, I feel that this show, okay. I was hyped up for it. You were hyped for it. it, I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure everybody was hyped up for this show. Like between the trailers that they showed between hating coming out and going, this is where the fun begins at celebration. We were hyped. We were ready. Okay. Yeah. I feel like despite the good moments of this show and all this episode and all the episodes, all six, this show was disappointing. This show fell below the bar of expectation. And I felt reasonable expectation because that's what Lucasfilm and everybody else hyped it up to be. They overhyped this show for what it was. And I think that there was a lot of poor decisions made. There's a lot of poor decisions in the way that this show was shot and this show was made. Clearly, uh, we'll get into the reception of it and why that's so important in a second. But like, some of the things that happen in the show are just not up to the quality of what we've seen with other previous Star Wars projects. The shaky cam does not belong in Star Wars. I think that a lot of people fairly have criticized that. And it, it makes sense because look at all six of those movies. Even in the sequel trilogy, you don't really see shaky cam like that. Yeah. You know, maybe a little bit, give or take. But in the first six movies, you don't see shaky cam. George never did that like that. There's no need, need to. You, you know, if you want to make it seem more relevant in the way that it looks and make it feel real, Make a great looking shot. Make a great looking composition on what you're seeing on film or what the viewer is looking at. That's what yeah. Star Wars has been known for for like many years. <laughs> that is uh, that is one thing, actually. I recently was watching a documentary on the making of Rebels and they were talking about how the original trilogy of Star Wars was filmed from a tripod a lot. Yeah. And um, they said Rebels almost did their filming of their show from like simulated tripod, you know, ground level yeah. view. So you feel like you're standing there with the characters and you know, the, the like, yeah, but yeah, shaky cam. Yeah. I, I hated it. it. Like, a little crazy. And, and here's the other thing too, that goes along with that. The editing in some episodes is God awful. Like why oh why in the season see, series finale, would you start the Obi-Wan invader fight and then cut away to go what's going on with Reva and, and like what's going on with the Lars homestead. Why would you do that? Like that stuff with the Lars Homestead and Reva should have happened after the Obi-Wan and Darth Vader fight. Because here's the other problem that I think a lot of people have not talked about with this show yet. And I find it amazing nobody has mentioned it because I said it in some of my reviews, but for anybody that hasn't heard of them, the passage of time in this show is all over the place. It is so messed up in many different ways on a lot of different episodes, not just the season finale. Like in previous, like the first couple of episodes, you can even see that. The passage of time is such an important thing with storytelling because you have to make it clear, like even though you don't tell the audience how much time has passed, they have to be able to have like a good concurrent like events that or sequence of events that go. So with the season finale, like perfect example, Obi-Wan and Vader fight, right? He leaves the planet. He's in the ship, by the way, which has hyperspace uh, capabilities. So why couldn't the other ship have hyperspace? That's neither here nor there, right? He goes out towards where the planet back to Tatooine, to the Lars Homestead, gets there. God knows how fast. Somehow, Reva's been there like since the last episode. She went from dying practically to being on Tatooine. I was like, well, what happened? Like, she, everything's going there. All that stuff with Reva and the Lars family is happening within like a couple minutes that Obi-Wan and Vader have been fighting. So like, 
it, you see my point, like the passage of time just seems like it's all over the place. And, and there's other episodes that's like that when he's in the Fortress Inquisitoris, that's the same thing that happens there. Same thing happens when he's on that other planet. I, I think it's Dayu, which is the one that looks like Chinatown for the most part, which looks yep. cool. Don't get me wrong. I love some of the new planets we go to with maybe the exception of like that desert looking planet that they have their final duel at with Obi-Wan Invader. Mm-hmm. But again, time and the way the sequence of events and the way that you give that and deliver that to the audience is so important for making things either have emotional weight, for having the story be memorable, for having the story make sense. Like there's a lot of stuff in there that just feels like they did not pay attention to. They did not have someone over there checking or doing a QA for that and just like completely just drop the ball with it. Yeah. I, I, I want to say by time uh, Obi-Wan finished his fight with Vader, uh, Reva was already chasing Luke across the desert. Yeah. Obi-Wan finished his fight, got in his ship, landed, and then got there like two up. seconds. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, like, you know, wherever that planet was in relation to where Tatooine is in the galaxy, because there's distance between planets, even with hyperspeed phase speed. Like you could just, it takes a little bit of time to get from place to place. But yeah. by the way, uh, uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, like, you know, Luke is running out there. They're not running after him. They're just standing there at the Hallars homestead shouting for him. Like, come yeah. on, bro. Like, I, even me, like, I'm, I'm willing to su- suspend my disbelief. I, I, I'll give you credit where credit is due. But come on now. Like, there's just certain things don't make sense. They never explain why the Grand Inquisitor, okay, gets stabbed and he survives. Even though it happens in other material, they talked about it on late night TV, and that's all fine and dandy. But you got to show me that in the show. You got to tell me that in the show. You can't just expect everybody to know that because the way that it plays out makes no sense. Because we all know from seeing Qui-Gon Jinn get stabbed in Phantom Menace, Homeboy was dead after that so what makes uh the grand inquisitor so special let alone what makes reva so special that she got stabbed twice twice yep. one as a youngling in the jedi temple and then another time before when she got totally bodied by darth vader which by the way credit where credit is due because i know i'm kind of like doll piling on it a little bit now credit where credit is due that some of the choreography for the fights and the action is pretty good like for example vader and reva's fight i thought was pretty interesting because it made sense for what darth vader does as a character how we know about him what he does to reva which makes total sense and then also the final battle between darth vader and obi-wan which i thought was much better than a lot of people give it credit for you know better Mm -hmm. than their first encounter which the first encounter i felt like while they try to make it have a lot of emotional weight and stuff there are just certain things in there that do not make any sense that is just weird that don't make sense for star wars don't make sense for the story that they're telling let alone the stupid chase with leia twice by the way (laughs) that we have to go save leia twice it just a lot of weird decisions with this show that i feel like a lot of people are overlooking and a lot of people are just giving a pass when they should not be giving it a pass yeah and and that's what i'll say is like the show the show hit like on certain emotional points where it's just like okay you realize that you have hayden and and uh you and mcgregor on the set together and you hit on some certain yeah. emotional points it's like it it, it it brings me back to sequel trilogy it's like we have this great cast here and i feel and like you don't put them together could have yeah you could have done a bet you could have done a better job with it you know i mean i think I think some stories made a lot more sense once we got to the sixth episode and, you know, there, there was stuff I liked in it. I mean, my biggest criticism of the whole show is the special effects for the whole show. Yeah. They felt cheap. They felt very cheap. Like, and the thing is, is that this is star Wars, like Mandalorian shows. Look, we could have great special effects for a TV yep. style show. And it's not even a TV budget because look how much they paid for Mandalorian. Like yeah. it's not cheap. 
Right. Yep. I, I just put a, I just threw the Mandalorian on the other day and I was watching the episode. I want to say it was chapter four of season one. It was actually the one when he first runs into um, uh, Gina Carano for the first mm. time in it. And um, just when he's landing the razor crest on that planet, Looks I'm watching, cool. I'm just like, damn, these special effects are good. This is movie yeah, quality. Special that's Star effects. Wars special effects. Yeah. Like it feels good. It looks great to see with this one. Even the episodes that Deborah Chow did in The Mandalorian leaps and bounds better than what she did yes. in here and some of these things. And I know it sucks to say that because a lot of it, I don't think is always her fault. I think there are certain things that are her fault. Shaky cam, what you're seeing on screen, how certain characters are acting and stuff. That's totally her fault. She has to take that L. But I think mm -hmm. also stuff with the storytelling and what she was probably given, I think is also a big problem with this. You know, yeah. with a lot of the episodes, the way they were written and how certain events happen like that. I think that that's not necessarily her fault, you know, with the way that those scripts were written. Yeah. And, and I read uh, the script that the guy was originally supposed to do uh, for the trilogy of movies that yeah, they were going right. to make out of this. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, if they have a season two of Kenobi, because he was talking about how he's like, you know, my vision was, he said, basically what you saw on this show was the movie with stuff added in. Mm -hmm. But he, he was like, my vision uh, for the second season was him with Qui-Gon and Qui-Gon basically being like, you know, there's going to be a time in your life when you're going to have to sacrifice yourself. Yeah, it's a good and, story. Sounds like yeah. a great concept. And it makes sense for what's going on with Obi-Wan Kenobi in this time frame between movies like that. Mm -hmm. And it's good to see Liam Neeson again. Let's be real. They, they had some awesome moments that were awesome fan service for a lot of fans going with the flashback before Attack of the Clones. They should have did a little de-aging on Hayden, but I'll give them that. It's good seeing him looking yeah. like Padawan Anakin. And the yep. scene that was choreographed and like matched up well with what was happening in the present day that was awesome that was great mm -hmm. seeing that final fight where the helmet gets broken off and it's poetic not only in tandem with uh in rhymes with what happens at rebels but also what happens in return of the jedi like people have been noticing stuff like that it looks good the stuff with the lightsaber light great stuff like that mm -hmm. seeing liam at the end or ian mcdermott at the end when things are wrapping yeah. up that makes sense. That was cool. That was awesome. That was great stuff. But I feel like all those things, unfortunately, get overshadowed by the fact that like there's so many other things wrong with the show that make it so mm -hmm. underwhelming and so disappointing for a lot of people that were hyped up for it, myself included. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I mean, I think all your I think all your critiques are valid, too. I mean, I think sometimes I think sometimes the nostalgia blinders can definitely be put up. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff I enjoyed. And there's a lot of stuff that I thought I was fairly critical of, of the show, but you know, overall, overall, I enjoyed it, but you know what I expected to be walking away. Like I expected to be walking away from this show. Like I'm walking away from stranger things Four right. Yeah, now. exactly. Stranger things for stranger yep. things Four is coming up and I'm just Hype. like, tomorrow, damn. bro. I'm yeah. ready. <laughs> every, every episode, every episode, you're just like, damn, this show is great. It's good. You know, like, it, yeah. the, the thing is like, we should be feeling like that for Obi-Wan Kenobi. When you really think about it, the, the trailers of this series hyped us up. They had John Williams music hyping us up. Like, Oh my God, they're bringing prequel vibes back. We are ready to go. Our boys are coming back. Our people that we're going to meet are brand new. Some new characters. Inquisitors are getting live action interpretations. This should have been an automatic W for Lucasfilm yeah. Yeah, for everybody automatic. involved, like straight up. And the problem is though, is like, you look at little things like the John Williams music, like granted, John Williams is like 90 something years old right now. Okay. He did a brand new score for Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is Obi-Wan Kenobi's theme for him. 
beautiful piece of music. I heard it for the first time from Celebration when the videos came out and you hear it in the show, it's beautiful. The fact that they didn't use his music though throughout the show, prequel music, Battle of the Heroes, Duel of the Fates, you know, Anakin's Dark Deeds, stuff they used in this trailer. What's the problem? And here's the thing. This is the one thing that people don't bring up that I think is relevant to this convo about this. In Rebels and in, even in the Clone Wars, they use John Williams music a lot more yeah. often and in really good times mixed in with other original music that they had there. So what's the problem here? Like, I, I don't think it's a licensing thing. I don't think it's a licensing thing. And I don't think it's a, an issue of like being able to go get the music that you want because that yeah. rescore of that final duel with Obi-Wan and Vader from this <laughs> is the best version of that is so good. It's like, yeah. it matches so well with the John Williams music. Why would you not do that? Yep. And, and you know what? It's funny because that's something I didn't, that's something I didn't totally think about till the show was over. And it's kind of funny to me because I love music scores. I mean, I, I do, I do renovation plumbing work. Yeah. It's like, people think it's funny because they'll walk in on, you know, guy doing plumbing work and I'll be listening to like Lord of the Rings soundtrack <laughs> where it's just scores. You know, I love that's scores awesome. because they put you in a good zone and, you know, I watched um, a video today, actually, of someone putting Anakin's Dark Deeds score over him getting the suit put on. Yeah. And I was That's like, what he should have oh been. My or God, the, Imperial, the Imperial March. Look, I know they use it at the final episode, and they have it after he talks to the Emperor. And they also, I think you get the Emperor's theme, too, while he's talking to him, I think. I have to go back mm -hmm. and listen to it again. But when Ian McDermott's on there, you hear that. But where was the Imperial March in some of Vader's scenes? Like, when he's going to go grab that ship, when he was getting ready, that should have been the Imperial March. Like, oh my God, this Absolutely. is this is a Vader moment you're about to get. And we're about to mm -hmm. blow your minds. And when he does that, that should have been epic win is what it should have been. Yeah. But I just, I it's so confusing because I don't feel like I have an answer of why that's not used like that. Because if yeah. the cartoons and the stuff that's going on now, even Bad Batch, Bad Batch was using stuff from episode four in, in one yeah. of the episodes. It's like, what? Like, how can you not like... I saw Deborah Chow said something like, uh, I'm not sure if we can use John Williams stuff. I saw she said that. I think that that's such nonsense. So she, that's yeah. such not because we have so many examples of like showing that they can and they they have. Yeah. And it's like it's like, well, don't you guys own Star Wars? I mean, I guess yeah, Williams might Lucasfilm. own the rights. <laughs> yeah. I mean, granted, they paid John Williams his money. He got a big bag for life, clearly, yeah. since 1977. Yeah. But the thing is, is like they, there's so many other episodes, even Mandalorian tastefully used John Williams music when they use the force thing, when Luke Skywalker shows up on screen, like granted, it's not a, a story about a lot of legacy characters, but like, even when you see Ahsoka, you still get Ahsoka's theme from like Rebels or Clone Wars in there when she shows yeah. up randomly. Like there, it's just a weird thing that I feel like really is a detriment to the show overall. And I feel like, again, I, this is a perfect segue to the other part of this whole discussion where a lot of people are giving many excuses for this. And I, I think like the discourse about this whole show has been really banged up. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I mean, I, I was just thinking the same thing. I mean, here's, here's what's funny is it's like, sometimes, sometimes when you make a critical point against star Wars on the podcast, you almost catch yourself like saying, you know, this is just my opinion or whatever, because people get upset or hurt by an opinion because they feel, I think if, so right now, if there's somebody who just loved every single aspect of Kenobi, they would take it as your critiques as an attack against them. Yeah, like a personal not, attack. Yeah, it's not. It's just your opinion on it. And I mean, we but we we love Star Wars. I mean, you have a damn TIE fighter hanging. Yeah, literally, literally. I mean, <laughs> audio people can't see it, but I got a, a first sort of TIE fighter on my seat and I got a yeah. lightsaber behind, behind me. I don't know if you can see it. It's a Return of the Jedi lightsaber. But, exactly. 
You, you know what right. it is though? And, and what's crazy about this, because I was disgusted for what I saw over the course of this show coming out. And I saw the discourse and what was happening to people on social media specifically. And I'm, I'm going to name a couple of names, not all of them, you know, because I want, I want the point to be the focus rather than the individuals with this. What was happening to Star Wars theory that I saw, what was happening to soups and also to other people who were criticizing them. Those two were the biggest ones that I saw there because you had people dogpiling on them for their opinions about this show and then straight up lying about them. Now, there was things being said about them that I saw on Twitter that I was disgusted in, not just as a Star Wars fan, but also as a person of color and, and an individual that like is part of fandoms and entertainment that has mm -hmm. seen this stuff. And I've been in theory streams. I was in the watch parties while we were watching the show as it was coming out every single time. I would have the watch party on my side and I would have my, my uh, tablet showing the episode so I could just watch it and get everybody's reaction because that stuff is fun. But mm -hmm. like some of the things that were being said about this guy, you know, for his opinion about things like Reva, things about like, you know, how the show has been turning out up to that point, you know, for each episode. And then same thing with Soups. You know, Soups just came out and said on his own TikTok, there's like, hey, I'm disappointed by episode four or five. Like, this is, this is not what the show was, like, pitched to me. This was not, like, how Star Wars feels like it should be. And then he changed his tune a little bit from episode five and six, but he was getting viciously attacked and dogpiled on. And by the way, by the same Star Wars community that is always coming out and saying that we need to stop uh, toxicity in our fandom, but they're engaging in toxic behavior. Like, you yep. cannot come out and tell me and I, I saw that this, this really got me mad. You can't come on and tell me that an individual, criticizing an individual is fair game because that individual has been hurtful and harmful to LGBTQ people or people of color or anybody else within this fandom when it's clearly not the case. You know, and that they were saying that about Star Wars theory. And I could tell you firsthand as someone that's in media and stuff and has been in his streams that that's not the case. I was in a stream of his that he did where he was talking about, it. I think it was around when Kenobi either started or just before it started because they had announced like Reva was a, a character, an actress, you know, Moses Ingram and the stuff that she had to deal with, which is messed up. Some of the stuff that she got in her DMs, not cool. That was wrong. But he was talking about in like a three or four hour stream, like a good chunk of it was talking about people of color in Star Wars and the fandom in, in the universe, actors, you know, advocating for some of the best actors that have ever graced a galaxy far, far away. James Earl Jones. You know, freaking Billy D. Williams, uh, uh, was it Napita, Lupita Nyong'o, you know, mm -hmm. like all these different, he was talking about this, having that conversation and talking about, listen, like the galaxy far, far away, Star Wars is open for everybody. Like you could tell a good story. You got good characters. We want you here. That's great. That doesn't mean like you're, you're exempt from criticism or exempt from discussion like that. And I felt like that was probably one of the best conversations about this type of stuff that I've ever seen on any podcast, any media within our fandom as you know mm -hmm. talking about this stuff and this guy got dogpiled on and and said things about him that was completely contradictory to that and i'm like this is this is the worst thing i've ever seen from the star wars fandom because i feel like it's so bad it got so terrible real talk that i stopped supporting certain creators because of that because it's like mm -hmm. you guys are just straight up lying about someone now and and you're doing it because not only are you trying to look good by criticizing someone who's a larger creator, but also doing it so you look a certain way towards the rest of the fandom. And that's not right. That's not genuine to yeah. me at all. Yeah, and I mean, I, uh, I uh, see, here's the thing. I'm not familiar with Star Wars theory. I mean, I've seen, uh, like, I've seen clips of him over the years. Like, I know, you know, who he is. Yeah, he's, a, he's like, the, for anybody that doesn't know, he's the largest creator that does Star Wars content yeah. on YouTube, basically. Yeah, he's big. And it's funny because it's like, I remember... 
I remember when I first started following Star Wars page, I mean, I only got on Twitter like two or three years ago. And I remember uh, Drunk 3PO was one of the first guys I was following yeah. on there. And then I saw a lot of people don't like him too. And I'm just yeah. like, for, for oh, different man. reasons though. Like the thing is, is like you see these people talk about like her certain uh, creators or certain people that are in the fandom aren't good people they they advocate for these other things and stuff but when you really go look at stuff like because i'm trained as someone that's been in media 10 plus years right i've been trained that look if there's a new story going around go to the source go look at the actual facts go look at the actual thing what's what and find out what it is when you actually go look at some of the things that people bring up you actually see that that's not the case but yet they continue to say these things about people with star wars theories this case like with the stuff that i mentioned before or stuff that he says that uh was it was said that he sends his toxic fandom to people who don't like the sequels that's 100 percent not true like to i don't know where that started other than the fact that he just criticized the sequels when all of them were coming out because i know when rise of skywalker came out he was good with it at one point then he turned new leaf because he like you know all this other news came out about how the sequels were made and stuff which is Mm -hmm. fair to talk about especially when you got john boyega who's probably the one person in the sequel trilogy who's got legit beef with like how yeah. that turned out you're going to tell that guy like you know he he shouldn't feel the way he should feel or it shouldn't be discussed what he was putting out there on vanity fair of all places yeah. like here's the other thing too and, I, and i'm curious about your thoughts on this when it came out that when soups was getting criticized for his thoughts on kenobi like that and people were saying that you just don't know i think it was one creator again not going to name names go look at it whatever that what is it that he doesn't understand storytelling or doesn't know stories Yep, this is a I guy, Soups. Soups is a guy that reviews movies and entertainment shows a lot for many years. And, and what got me mad about that, outside of the fact that Soups, I don't think, deserve that from a lot of people. He got dogpiled on that for no reason. No, no reason by the Star Wars fandom. But also, that same type of criticism is so far left field and so off base. Like, Because I look at other movie critics and stuff like, uh, what is it, uh, John Campia, Robert Meyer Burnett, uh, Chris Gore. All these guys they make a living and a career of reviewing film and reviewing entertainment and stuff. They all were saying very similar things to all these guys, including soups. And if anything, they were more harsher because they know film better. Are you going to really come on and say like those people don't know stories either? Like, because they've been doing it for years. Like, come on. Like it's such a weird thing that I see from the fandom and where it's like people are either in denial or they want things to be good by just speaking it into existence yep. rather than seeing the way that things actually are and coming to the acceptance of the fact that people are going to have different diverse opinions. People are going to feel the way they feel whenever they consume media. It's never going to be the same between two people, but you never have to actually go out of your way to be vicious in the fact and in the name of being not toxic or, 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 or welcoming by just actively going after people in the way that I saw people going after soups or going after Star Wars theory. I thought that was so wrong. Yep. Yeah, no. And I, I totally agree. I think what it comes down to is, you know, I, and what's funny is I follow soups and I feel like soups is a very positive guy when it yeah, comes to a lot. <laughs> I feel like he's a very, he's a very rah, rah, you like, you know, I too much of a fanboy sometimes. That. Admittedly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which it's like, Oh my God. Like he criticized one thing and it's like, you know, let's go away. Like the world was I coming mean. to an end. You know, who, you know who criticizes the show too. And, and if anything, they're, they're diehard Star Wars fans. Rebel Force Radio, because I listened yeah. to Rebel Force Radio, they criticized that too. And it's like, they weren't getting flack like the way that that dude got. And like, if anything, they said worse stuff about the series than ever he said. He just said he was yeah. disappointed. And it's like, it, it, it just yeah. comes down to what I feel like, even like a, a few select creators 
that are trying to be like figureheads within the greater community, the greater Star Wars community. So it's like everybody involved, like because their own little niches and stuff. They're trying to look a certain way and being disingenuous with the way that they talk about not just people and talk about the media, but also to talk about the fandom in general. And I feel like that's not cool. That's very detrimental to Star Wars as a fandom. If anything, that mm-hmm. contributes to a lot of the bad stereotypes that we get, you know, over the last like half a decade or a decade or so yep. for the way that we've gotten flack from every side of the media right now. Oh, like, yeah. It's it's just yeah. not cool. And it's really harmful. I, I saw uh, during during the Star Wars theory, theory soups attacks, I saw like pages that had like 4,000 followers go to almost 10. I saw I saw people I followed for years. On. That were like that and, and i stopped following it because it's like yo how are you going to go on and make a statement about someone that is 100 mm-hmm. true? then get mad when they rebuttal well because because i saw I, at some point i saw star wars theories like he got fed up and i don't blame him because when you're getting hit from all sides of people telling things about you that you know is not true you're gonna be like yo like what the heck and he was mm-hmm. responding back to but then these same pages again thousands upon thousands of followers i think one of them that i that i follow that i followed at one point had over 50k just on Twitter alone and, and even bigger on TikTok, you know, saying these things that were just like categorically not true. And he got rebuttaled and then he yeah. ended up deleting the tweet and then just went on another platform to talk smack again. It's like, how is that positive? How does that help the greater Star Wars fandom? How does that help the discussion and, and the discourse about this yeah. show? This all goes back to Kenobi. Everybody feels a certain way, but it's like, that does not do anything for anybody. We all lose with stuff like that. Yep. No, I totally agree. I mean, I was just a... Uh... I mean, I know I had talked to you about it earlier, but I was listening to uh, Gina Carano. I mean, trigger trigger alert. She was on the Joe Rogan podcast, but um, yeah, I was listening to her talk about her experience uh, being canceled. And I mean, everybody wants to think about, okay, we canceled her. Good job. She was talking about what happened in her life afterwards. Yeah. She had to go see doctors. She lost her agents. She lost, she lost her work. lawyers. Which is wrong. She lost yeah. everything. And he asked her, like, he's like, he's like, well, who's your agent now? She's like, I don't have one right now. You know what's funny about that? Because the thing about a lot of the other stuff with Gina Carano specifically is kind of irrelevant to Star Wars, because I feel like a lot of the stuff that happened to her had everything to do outside of Star Wars specifically, which is like really messed up stuff. And I think that there's a lot of different opinions and a very complex. If anything, I don't think Disney or really Lucasfilm should have fired her. They should have fined her if anything else and then still have her on to keep making shows because i think they would have been more profitable in the end and i feel like a lot of that stuff there's a lot of revisionist history with what happened to her and a couple of mm-hmm. things that are just again is way too complicated to get into now because it's not really about star wars but the yep. one thing we can learn about what happened to her is that when people just continuously talk and they don't aren't like properly informed about what's going on it has incredibly detrimental effects and if anything it hurts the greater fandom and it hurts the ip in the long run because like you know, outside of the fact that you lost the the Cara Dune uh, action figures and all that stuff, you lost a show, uh, the Rangers of the New Republic. You got all this other stuff that was going on in the discourse about Star Wars and the way that Lucasfilm as a company acted throughout that whole thing. You know, that's the conversation for a lot of people. And it still is in mm-hmm. some ways, as opposed to all the projects that we're getting soon, as opposed to all the games we're getting, as opposed to the possibility of seeing new movies you know, and what yeah. we would like to see down the line are other great things that I know that the Star Wars fandom could really focus on and bring to light. Like they, the 501st Legion just did a whole thing for Pride Month not too long ago for like spotlighting a lot of stuff like that. At the same time, there was also all these other charities that a lot of different organizations associated with Star Wars as a brand that has done a lot of good just this year alone. 
that's never yeah. in the conversation because of things like that. And it really comes down to the fandom, you know, and individuals specifically for knowing a little bit better on not only how to talk to people, but also to spot things that are BS from a mile away. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think, I think what it is, and it's like, I think this relates to soups. I think it relates to star Wars theory, even to Gina Carano is that it's like, even he, even hearing her talk about the meme that she sent, which she said, like, I get, I get what people thought and I get what people saw and I shouldn't have done it. You know, I got like, but she's just like, I'm human as well. And it's like, I interpreted it a different way. And then, you know, the story, you know, and she said, I was stupid basically for interpreting it the way I did, but that's how I did it. She said, I interpreted it as a way of, um, you know, as far as star Wars community, even bigger picture, be, be nice to your neighbor, you know, look at like, uh, look at the nine out of 10 things we have in common instead of the one that we don't that have ruins it for every, like, you know, that yeah. totally changes her life or in, in the star Wars theories, this case, people trying to brand him as anti LGBTQ or anti POC, which is horrible to, to say that about someone yeah. now these days, when, by the way, he was one of the few larger creators, by the way, who was advocating that the official star Wars Twitter account should acknowledge James Earl Jones's birthday or Billy Dean Williams's birthday, by the way, two of the greatest african-american actors of our generation hands down when you when you really think about it like that you know getting branded as that for stuff that other people have said not him other people have said about him mm -hmm. i think is wrong with soups it's the same thing like i can't blame soups if he never talks about star wars again because of the way that people treated him for saying something that was kind of innocuous about yeah. the show when you really think about that and it, to me that's the problem that's the toxicity because it, it's I think a Josh from Den of Nerds, because that's Star Wars Theory's boy, he actually put it uh, the best. There's a lot of toxic positivity within our fandom right now, not only as an after effect of this show, but after effect of a lot of other things post-sequel trilogy, because a lot of people want to, they want to, they care more about how the way they look towards other people rather than the conversation that they're trying to be a part of. And I think mm -hmm. that's a big problem because you could talk about representation in Star Wars, which I think we have some of the best representation over a lot of fandoms, a lot of other uh, forms of entertainment. Like that, you could talk about uh, quality of shows and, you know, compare and contrast between what we've had in the past and what we're getting in the future or even now in the present. You could talk about all those things, but you don't have to feel like you. it's like the battle arena from like Mad Max, you know, the or something like that to get everybody else out of the way just so you could look like a better fan or you could look like a better content creator in Star Wars or look like a better figurehead for being here. Exactly. I agree. I mean, it's like, to me, it's like, yeah empathy forgiveness and no and, and also yeah <laughs> if i see that someone likes something you know and i'm fine with that if, if you if yeah. the last jedi is your number one star wars movie ever have at it yeah. i'm happy yeah i'm happy that you love it that's fine i'm never going to agree I mean, that i, I actually yeah. i'm like that with a friend of mine like the friend i mentioned that that's been working on the, the the game stuff like he's he really likes the last jedi but that's his thing like you know you know, I, I'm not going to like demonize him for feeling that, yeah. even though I think The Last Jedi is the worst Star Wars movie. I, I've been open mm -hmm. about that public, but everybody's going to see things differently. Everybody's going to have a different perspective, but also everybody's still going to have that same appreciation for the entire franchise that we have. And I think that's where people need to start more focusing on where we can relate like that. Exactly. It's like, I, you know, I love, I love NFL football. I'm an Eagles fan. There's people who are Cowboys fans. We have our rivalry, but we all love football. 
So like, you know, let's, let's have fun. Let's enjoy this. You know? Yeah. Can we go back and forth and maybe, you know, critique each other, argue sometimes, whatever. We can laugh when Stephen A. Smith makes fun of Cowboys fans. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, it's like, we, you know, anyone could grab a clip of us critiquing Kenobi from the last. Take it out of context. Just be like, yeah, and just be like, you know, that happens the Star Wars theory where, all the time. That's literally yeah. what, how that whole thing started, is because people were doing that. Yeah, when we crazy. literally have talked about like you know positive Star Wars stuff for probably ninety five percent of this podcast, they could grab that clip and just be like, these guys were piling on Kenobi. They hated They're it. Toxic. It's like it. really. Yeah. No, really? yeah, it's like <laughs> you you can have your critiques and you can all there's stuff you can critique something and and enjoy it at the same time and I mean that's what we do on here so it's like I, I don't know I don't Agreed. know it, it it gets it gets toxic it, it gets crazy I mean and when when it kills when the fun personal yeah when your personal life is affected by it it's like yeah yeah talk. I don't think I don't think people realize the emotional uh, damage it does and I mean you know. You can you can talk about emotional damage over the internet or whatever, but when it's really affecting your life, your career, stuff like that, I mean, you know, if someone says sorry and you accept it, that's a pretty powerful thing, in my opinion. You know, yeah. if someone says, "Hey, I screwed up," or or even if they didn't, and you know, it's like just you know what it is. Everybody's just looking for a villain at times because with yes. a lot of different conversations, a lot of the important conversations, even ones we touched on now. Like that everybody wants to look for a bad guy or a bad person to go after that an enemy or like a villain to go after or a figurehead that could be that for them. So that way they mm-hmm. feel better about being on the right side of something or feel like they got the support or they're supporting something like that. And yeah. I think that could be used for, for really bad things. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, like uh, uh, I'd say around episode three, four or so Twitter wise, I'm just like, man, I don't even want to read. Four. I, I don't even want to read. Four is where I here. think it happened. Four and five. Yeah. Because because here's the thing. This is the conversation that we saw that happened in real time on Twitter that I saw that even that night after episode five came out. For episode four, everybody criticized or at least a bunch of people criticized and they were doll piled on, called all types of names and stuff. Episode five came out and they said, yeah, it was much better, especially with the Reva and Vader fight and stuff. And everybody's trying to call them turncoats. And it's like, that's not fair because, you know, you can't tell me that, oh, you should have been patient and wait and stop being spoiled, Brad, for the show. It's like, no, to get to this awesome stuff, we have to go through four episodes, bro. Like, come on. Like, it's just that there, there should be an expectation of fair criticism and, and fair expectations amongst all people. You can't just put people down and be like, oh, you were a spoiled brat because you just didn't understand the story. Time. I was like, no, I was criticizing it because sometimes this show was not shot right or it just didn't work well or something didn't make sense. Like, yep. you know, that doesn't make a person a bad individual or a bad person. Yeah. Like you shouldn't be called that for that. Yep. Yep. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, it, I, I hope, uh, I hope now that it's funny, I'm kind of relieved that the show is over and that like we've gotten it and maybe things can chill out a little until bit. Until Andor people. comes out. Cause that's next. <laughs> I know. Until that comes out. You you think people are going to be like riding for Diego Luna or watch. I know I got, I got high <laughs> hopes for I got high hopes for that show. I'll it looks that, good. I mean, In fairness, it looks good. But then again, we we've gone through this before a couple of times. Let, let's hope yep. it's Mando good. And that Obi-Wan good. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, and I think it's, and I, say I, that now. <laughs> I think, I think from seeing the trailer visuals and everything, I think it's going to be Mando good. I'm hoping mm. that As yeah. for the sake of the fandom, for the sake of doing podcasts and people not, you know, crushing you. If you have a different opinion than them, you know, right? it's like, let me know, love man. this show. Please Lucasfilm, please let me love yeah. this show. <laughs> exactly. So 
Yeah, we've been going for a while tonight. We've hit on a couple decent points. Um, I was going to say, if you uh, see if you have any final thoughts, anything you wanted to bring up. Uh, uh, there's one the piece table. of news that came out today. I don't know if you saw this from the, the Disney Wish Cruise, okay, the Star Wars bar that I was going down. They have a $5,000 drink that oh, you could yeah. get. Okay, so this is called the Kyber Crystal. That is actually a, a, an aged cognac like a really like really expensive one that's like 4000 a bottle that they serve this drink they don't tell you the ingredients in it but they serve it in an actual container like an actual like uh, not back to container but like a regular container that opens as you see from like yep. galaxy's edge and uh yeah costs 5 grand yeah <laughs> you know how much the rest of the menu is is like 20 dollar drinks 15 dollar drinks yep. like damn that's a big step up <laughs> i i thought that was a meme originally i when thought it was not that, i thought it was a joke <laughs> yeah i saw i thought it was i thought it was almost like a joke about galaxies or uh, not galaxy's edge i thought it oh, was a joke cruise, about the star the, uh, cruiser the star cruiser it's a whole nother can of like, worms <laughs> yeah because of the cost of that i thought it was just like a Hey, here's a five thousand dollar drink. We're not going to tell you what's in it, but you know, enjoy or whatever. And I, I was saw just it. Like, I saw oh, the yeah, video of it. I'm like, wow, this thing is real. <laughs> yeah, I saw them open the container and drink it. I'm like, wait a second, five thousand. And then the guy in it too takes it real fast. Like when you're yeah. paying five thousand dollars for a drink, you're sipping that real slow, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. real slow. Like you're not. I know he took it as that. a shot, man. He he shot it. You this know? man was ready. That. He's like, yo, there's five grand right there. Yeah. Give me another one. Like. Yeah. Oh my god. The only the only thing I, it's the only thing Star Wars wise I'd pay $5,000 for is one of those lizards from the book of Boba Fett. You know, stick that thing up my nose, oh my let me god. go wander the desert. I'll Trip pay out. 5 grand for that. <laughs> I'm back out saying that oh that, now you're part of the the, the Tuscan Raider tribe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, but man. The, the thing is that's weird about it is that I get it. It's geared towards a certain audience. I it's geared towards a certain type of customer. You know, not everybody's going to pay five grand for a cognac because I don't think a lot of people know about a cognac like that or that type of drink. Whatever else is in it, it's cognac because that's what they said. It's also part of it. But the same thing with the Star Cruiser, like that is geared towards a certain type of consumer, a certain type of fan that is not the majority of Star Wars fans. And I think that I understand why Disney's doing it. I don't think it's smart business. I think it's could be more beneficial to have things that's a lot more streamlined and open for more people to come into that. Because in all fairness, on the Disney Wish uh, Cruise, the the bar, the Star Wars theme bar, looks awesome. That it's original trilogy and like a mixture of like everything else on top of that big screen where you're actually in hyperspace, going to different planets, including stuff like Mustafar, like Tatooine, like Naboo that I saw there. That's awesome. Okay. And I get it. So in the wake of all this, while you're on that cruise, if that's that one giant expensive drink you can't get, I think everybody would be fine with it. But when you yeah. compare it and you see it in context with all this other stuff, including the star cruiser and all this other stuff, with galaxy's edge that some people have complained about, it starts to add up and it makes you question a lot of the decisions that they made with the franchise. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I, here's the thing. I only saw the stuff about the drink. I didn't know that they're, they've done a star Wars theme bar on a cruise. And I mean, I bet you that cruise, the cost of that trip probably cost as much as the star cruiser. Well, it's, it's the same as any of the other Disney cruises, as far as I know from I saw there, because this one's brand new. And then when you look at it and you look at the actual bar, it looks like it, you're really getting a lot out of it. The alcoholic yeah. drinks aren't included clearly on there from what you say, cause you have to pay for those drinks, but like some of them look pretty cool. They got one called the chancellor. It's like, imagine getting that and go, I am the Senate. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I'd be that guy, like, at the bar just doing that. But, like, there's cool things like that that I think it's fair and I think it's awesome to see. But No, I agree. I, mean, I ain't paying yeah, five grand for no drink, though. I'm telling you right now. Five grand, man. That's wild. <laughs> to have five grand drinks coming out on top of that. You know, That's baller money. That's baller, yeah. like, you got to be really balling 
to, to take that quick like that. that at least that guy anyway <laughs> yeah it's for real man i mean i i guarantee there's probably going to be cruises where no one ever even gets that freaking drink oh man. of course for five grand? No, Jeez. I, and here's the thing because a lot of that stuff came out from the media attending it so somebody there had to have paid that in order for them to do that because they're not just going to give that to the media i've been to media events where they give you a lot of stuff like things like that but they're not giving you expensive stuff like that like no that's 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 a that's a that's a rich person's drink like that yeah i wanted I, when when galactic cruiser did their media run and i i knew it was happening and i some of the people i followed were going and I, i'm just like i want someone to be critical of this thing man there were no uh, i, I there, watched there... i watched a lot of people that went to that there were some people that weren't honest that that again because i look for certain things in media you know having covered stuff for a long time and one of the things that you're supposed to do that i didn't see until people started calling them out on it was that if you did the full experience for the entire trip or if you did the four hour like event thing. And a lot of people were not saying and not disclosing that they went to the four hour event as opposed to the multi-day thing. And I think that stuff like that, that really muddled up a lot of the conversation about the Galactic Star Cruiser outside of the criticism with it, because there was a lot of stuff to criticize that thing for. For the amount yeah. of like money people pay for that, that was pretty rough. Yeah, that's why I'm just uh, I'm very curious how it stands the test of time, because you have people who are slapping down the cash to go do it, you know, to start off now, you know, you got people spending good money on it. But, you know, let's let time let's let time move on. And yeah, I don't uh, think that's lasting. Real talk. Yeah, I, right. I, think, I don't think that lasts another couple of years, because the thing is, yeah. you have to have a return on investment with that. Like people are looking at this on YouTube. Like I saw Theory's reaction to because he did like this whole stream looking at all the creator videos that were actually there that went to the media event. And I saw a bunch of other like written editorials about it. And it's like one of the biggest things is that you look at this stuff, you could literally see the whole experience on YouTube. And I tell you right now, the majority of people saying this does not feel like I spent five or six grand on it, especially with yeah. those rooms, with the food. Like if I'm spending five grand, like on a trip, you could go to all of Europe for like a week with that yeah. or, or go to like the Bahamas or something and live like a king or a queen for like a yeah. week, if not longer like that. Like you have to feel like you has to look like you're spending that type of money. You have to feel like you're spending that type of money. And I don't think anybody that went there that actually spent the money is really being honest with themselves saying that they got their yeah. value out of it. Exactly. I agree. So we'll see. Time will tell, man. But um. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm going to uh I'm going to call it here man. I mean, I had a great time having you on. I mean, this will not obviously be the last time you're on. We're going to we're, we're yeah, going to have you. you on in the future. We're going to do uh you know, as some of these Star Wars games drop, you're 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 like the rule of the galaxy's resident gamer now. You are like, it. you know, when it comes to uh you know, when it comes to professional input for gaming, you're the one we're going to go to, Thank you. you know. It's really great talking. Yeah, I love following your content. Why don't you tell everybody again where they can find you on all the social media? Sure, man. Yeah, I appreciate all the kind words. I appreciate it. Again, like I said, I love gaming. You guys love Star Wars. I love Star Wars just as much like that. So it works out great and it's awesome. But uh, yeah, if you want to see more of my stuff, you want to see any of my content, whether it's Star Wars games or just gaming in general, because gaming is like my bread and butter, my forte, uh, definitely check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash gamers with games channel, or just search Jake James Lugo in the search bar. You go directly to my channel. There's a lot of content every single week, brand new, highly edited, highly produced videos, uh, video reviews, podcasts, uh, gameplay impressions, videos, uh, really 
really soon, you know, as a little uh, peek, it's what I'm doing soon. I'm going to be doing a content about Outriders because I just got sent Outriders and the DLC content for it from Square Enix recently. I just did my review of uh, Jedi Power Battles. I just did a review for Capcom Fighting Collection. Uh, I've done other content recently, uh, including, again, stuff that I mentioned, the Atari 2600 Star Wars games, all of them, including the unreleased Return of the Jedi game. There's a whole bunch of stuff there. Definitely check that out. Follow me on Twitter at Jake James Lugo. Follow me on Instagram at Jake James Lugo. Visit and check out and join the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Jake James Lugo. There's a lot of content on there as well. I'm all over the place, man. TikTok too. Uh, yeah, I mentioned TikTok already. So yeah, a lot of different places, man. There's a lot right. of content, a lot of stuff. I love games and just come show some love. Come say what's up. Perfect, man. All right. And yeah, for us, you can find us at, uh, if you want to email us, you can email us at rule the galaxy at gmail.com we're on twitter at rule the galaxy sw you can find us on tiktok at rule the galaxy podcast uh you know you'll see me messing around a lot on there i send some i share some podcast clips and you know the guys will send me some video clips we'll do some unboxings all that kind of fun stuff we're building there and yeah i mean instagram all that fun stuff rule the galaxy so this is a great episode i'm happy to have jake james lugo on with us thank Until you the next time may the force be with you yeah!